there's a story I just read uh, in a book called All Things New by the author Pete Hughes. He's a pastor of a church in London. Uh, the church is called KXC. And he tells this story of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, it's probably apocryphal, uh, but it, it, it depicts him visiting a, a slave auction. And this would be years before he would um, raise to prominence and become the U.S. president. But according to the legend, here's how the story goes. He stood at the back of the auction and he noticed the atmosphere change as a number of slave girls were paraded through the room. It was abundantly clear what the slave girls were going to be used for. The first slave girl was auctioned and the bids flowed in rapidly. Each bid met with cheers and chanting. Lincoln was repulsed by what he saw. From the back of the room, he loudly offered his bid. It silenced the crowd in the process. His bid went well beyond what the slave girl was worth and well beyond what anyone else could afford. The crowd was stunned, silenced. What kind of man would pay that amount of money for a slave girl? It made absolutely no sense. The slave girl, she looked terrified, frightened at the prospect of what such a master would do to her. The auctioneer immediately closed the bids and pointed the slave girl in the direction of her new master. She made her way to the back of the room with every eye fastened on her. As she approached Lincoln, he looked her straight in the eyes and paused as she trembled. And then he said... Young lady, you are free. The crowd leaned in, totally perplexed. And then the girl asked him, she said, uh, Sir, what, what does that mean? It means you are free, he responded. Does, does, does that mean, she said, that, that I can say whatever I want to say? Lincoln said, yes, dear. You can say whatever you want to say. Does that mean uh, that, 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 I, that, I can, that I can be whatever I want to be? Yes, Lincoln replied. You can be whatever you want to be. Does, does, does that mean that... that um, that I'm allowed to go wherever I want to go? Yes, he replied. You can go wherever you want to go. The girl paused for a long moment to take it all in. 
And then with tears streaming down her face and all eyes in the room on her, she said, then I want to go with you. Any other telling of the account or the claims of Christianity that does not begin with you and I being purchased at an enormous cost, a payment far greater than we deserved, and then set free from the tyranny and the grips of darkness, producing a heart that says, then I want to go with you. Anything divergent from the core of that narrative is some cheap rendition, some watered-down version of the incredible promise found only in Jesus of Nazareth. Christianity is not merely a doctrine or a theology or a list of ethics or some kind of higher version of morality. It's not simply a ticket to heaven or just a promise of happy ever after. It's not a full belly. It's not a comfortable bank account. It is a person. A person who goes by the name of Jesus, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, Yahweh, It is a person who substituted his life for ours and in doing so has won the hearts of those who have received his gift. A group of many who declare, where else would I go? To whom else would I run? You alone speak the words of life. Brennan Manning in his book, The Furious Longing of God, says, how is it that we've come to imagine that Christianity consists primarily in what we do for God? How has this become the good news of Jesus? I believe, Caleb Lynch believes, the good news is that there is no amount of things we could do for him that would change his availability his desire, his passion, his faithfulness, and his love for us. The God of the universe has already taken care of the work. He now is offering you something entirely different, entirely more sustaining, entirely more life-giving, entirely more wonderful. So what's on offer? What's the invitation? Well, he's offering us himself. He's offering us a way of orchestrating our lives around him and with him. A way of seeing. A piece of life. A rhythm of health centered around his presence, his grace, his kindness his faithfulness, his delight in us, his gentleness, his never-ending, never-changing love 
for us. He is inviting us into a new way. Will you let him teach you? Will you choose to go with him? Let me pray. Lord, I, I read your word and you, um, you have life on offer in your word. You promise life. And um, all you do is you say, come with me. And Lord, we, we want to come with you. We believe that there is life found in your name. And we long um, to enter into that space. Teach us your ways, Lord. We love you and we give you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Caleb Lynch. If you're just joining, I'm not normally that dramatic. Um, except for when I win the axe throwing competition. <laughs> that was a couple weeks ago. That was like a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Open Door Fellowship, and um, I've gotten to be in this role now for exactly a year. And um, it has breathed life into my bones. It has begun to shape me. Um, it has done things in me that I did not expect, but uh, for sure, without a doubt, um, it has just been a pure honor to get to serve you and to get to serve this church, and um, thanks for letting me do so. Um, I'm passionate about uh, this next series that we're going to be in. It's called Teach Me the Way. Teach Me the Way. Um, the reason I'm passionate about it is because uh, the Lord has taken me on a bit of a journey in, in uh, some, some recent months, and um, it, is, it is stirring my heart in ways um, I wasn't ready for. And so, um, because I get to, uh, I, I centered a whole series of talks around it, um, and hopefully we can all join in on the party. Uh, the, the, um, the, the premise of this is it's really simple, you guys, it's... It's this concept of, um, I'll, just, I'll just read this that I wrote. Um, we, we're wanting to take a look at the patterns and the rhythms and the pace of, pace of life of Jesus and see if there is any value in following him and how we then get to orchestrate our lives. There's a really popular message right now uh, in a lot of churches. In fact, a lot of churches build their entire vision and ethos on um, this title called Practicing the Way of Jesus. Practicing the Way of Jesus. And you'll see it all over the place right now. It's really uh, a pretty catchy uh, way of orchestrating what a church would be about. Um, the, the, the problem I have seen with it, and, and this is not, so please hear me, I, I am not tearing down or, 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 or uh, necessarily critiquing any specific church or leader or communicator, but one of the things that I, that I happen to see um, in this language of practicing the way of Jesus is that it, it has become uh, reduced to uh, um, some form of system of um, self-improvement program. Uh, it's, it's really built on this premise less of uh, following the way of Jesus and more doing what he said to do 
in some kind of um, development of behavior or some kind of behavior modification program. And um, that is what I often see it being used of. Um, I believe the good news of the gospel uh, is not necessarily a changing of behavior. In fact, I think Jesus was aware that we didn't know how to be on our best behavior, and that's why he came. But I believe it's an invitation to walk in step with Jesus, to be in a constant rhythm with him, to see life the way he saw it, to make space for the things he made space for, to move at a pace in which he moved, to rest in a way in which he rested, to devote patterns of times to the things he devoted to, to find peace in trusting the things he trusted in. Does that make sense? And um, the goal in all of this, in doing so, um, for the sole reason that there is this craving, there is this longing, there is this deep heart burning within us that we say, I want to be with him. If the goal is anything other than that, we have maybe missed the invitation. Um, One of my all-time, 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 all-time favorite stories in all of the Bible is in Exodus 33. And if you know the story of Exodus, this is is, uh, Moses and his people, um, the Israelites, the people of God, and they are wandering in the desert. And towards the end of it, uh, God says, the, the promised land that I've been telling you you're going to get to, it's here, it's yours for the taking. Go get it. It flows with milk and honey. It's yours. And he says, and I'm going to send an angel in front of you, and I'm going to push out all the inhabitants that currently live in there so that you don't have to worry about it. You just show up and drink it in. And then he says, this is what God says. He says, but I'm not going to go with you. You guys have kind of been ticking me off. He said, this is in the Bible. This is in the book we we read. And and, um, he says, you guys have been so unfaithful. I'm not going to go with you. And so Moses goes, well, that's not going to work. And so he goes and sets up this tent on the outside of camp. And he just goes, well, I'm going to start praying to God that he would go with us. And he says to God, he goes, look. If you don't go with us, we're not going. Don't send us. If you're not going to go with us, I am not uprooting us to go. And he calls out on God and he yells at him and he says, we're not going without you. And God says, okay, I will go with you and I will be with you. And he goes with him. If, if, if this quest to follow in the way of Jesus to come under his yoke, if it has anything other than to do with us saying, I am not going anywhere without you. I need you. I am orchestrating my life around your patterns. I am walking in step with your ways. If it has anything to do with some kind of tactical behavior program, we are missing the invitation of the presence of God in our lives and the gift that he has on offer. You tracking? We good? Okay. This word, the way, 
way. A hundred times in the New Testament, 62 of them in reference with Jesus in the room, essentially. Um, The word is just hodos. Some say hodus, hodos. Um, it, It really just simply means a path or a direction or a door that you would walk through, like this is the way. Um, it gets used in, in more references than just a directional thing. It gets used for that a ton. Hey, let's go this way. A bunch of those hundred uh, times are just simply the word we would use for the way. Um, there, there is uh, a, a ton of reference in it of Jesus being that way, uh, like that doorway that you would walk through um, to experience Heaven, eternity, closeness with God, communion. So we see, we see this word hodos get used in that reference point. We also see it get used as uh, before this word Christian showed up, right? You guys know that the church was called the way. Um, there's, there's, there's an account in there of, of, of Christians uh, about to get put in prison and, and the account says he was out looking for people that belonged to the way. Same word, hodos. Um, there, one of my favorite verses, it says in Acts, it says there was a disturbance about the way. <laughs> there were some things going on that the way the people of God were doing that were stirring some things up. Um, but the one we will use for this series, those, those are all accurate depictions of the word hodos. The one we will use uh, is, is more of one that looks at following a pattern or a lifestyle after Jesus. We just got done reading through Luke, the most clear, the most full depiction of this person called Jesus. And um, this reality is astounding, but we saw God show up on earth and we got to watch the way he lived, watched the way he thought, heard the things he talked about, watched the things he cared about. And if we're just going to like, can we just boil it down for a second and just be real? Like if God showed up on earth and lived a certain way, there might be value in saying, what, what did he see valuable? Right? What, what did he orchestrate his time around? What were the things that were important to him? Like, like if God actually, let's pretend he actually did show up on earth, it would be kind of maybe wise, insightful to say, hey, what, do you, what does he seem to care about? There might be value in that for us. Listen to, what, listen to what he offers in the gospel. Listen, listen to this. This is John seven thirty seven. Um, 37 to 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, he's quoting from Ezekiel, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's, he said that about those who would trust in him. John 10.10 10 says, I came, you know this verse, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 14.6, he says, I am the way. I also am the truth and I am the life. 
crazy, but Jesus has actual fullness of life on offer for those who have chosen to put their trust in him. That's, that's like a lot of us in this room where Jesus is saying, look, I, I didn't just come to get you home, but I actually came to give you a fullness of life. Like there is life to be found in my name. So this series will run about seven weeks. It'll take us about eight weeks because we have an important day in there called Easter that we'll take a pause for. Um, and so we're going to really simply look at what, what is this invitation that Jesus is inviting us into? What is this life that is on offer that he is declaring can be found in his name? This word lifestyle you, you hear it all over. It gets portrayed in, in news articles. It gets portrayed in, like, like, like you, you get this water bottle sold to you, and it's like a lifestyle brand, right? Like, what? But it is, right? And you, so you see this word lifestyle. Lifestyle is, is kind of a simple concept. It is essentially the, the patterns and the habits and the rhythms of your life that make up your life. Right? If you look at your life at in whole lifestyle would just be, uh, I'll say it this way, um, it would simply be the coming together of what you have chosen to commit your time to, what systems you have chosen to come under, what authorities you have chosen to trust in, what beliefs you have chosen to follow, what patterns you have given priority to, what rhythms you have paced your days with, and in what invitations you have chosen to accept. There are many things that affect our lives that are uncontrollable that come at us. But for the most part, the ongoings, the normal, habitual movements of our day would be considered our lifestyle. We um, have never experienced in the history of humanity a time in history where there are more things that come at us more rapidly that are begging for our attention. There, there's never ever, ever been a time even close. Even 10 weeks ago was not as close as it is now. Like the pace in which media and production is able to draw us in, to beg us of our time, is out of control. Listen to these stats that I found. I know this is none of you in this room, but listen to these stats that I heard. The average human being in the United States, so this is not other parts of the world, the average human being spends, let me get the right data here, three hours and ten minutes a day on their phone. And this does not include phone calls or text messaging. Listen to this one. Over five hours a day in front of a TV. This is the average American. Five hours a day, if you added it up, equals 77 days a year worth of time that we sit in front of a screen that is designed to draw us in and not let us go somewhere else. Like it's begging for our attention. It's begging to sell us something it's fighting for us so much so 
that it is becoming increasingly easier to miss the invitation of Jesus. A simple one that says, I paid for you and I bought you and you are free. Come follow me, if you will. They tell you, uh, as a preacher, don't teach on anything that you do not uh, first understand or have experienced. I break that rule a lot. Um, I don't know why, but I just do. Um, But this is a topic for me that is um, transforming my life. And I I fear sharing it with you um, because I don't want to portray that I have it together. I fear sharing with you um, what the Lord is doing in me currently because um, I, I don't know. There's fear in me. But I want to tell you what the last six months of my life has looked like. And I want to just share it with you. Um, I shared with us, uh, I don't know if you were here, but maybe somewhere in around November, maybe sometime around that time, I shared with you that that. I was having these moments in the middle of the night where the Lord was waking me up and I was, I was stirred and I didn't know why and I would wake up with these anxieties about topics. Do you remember me talk, sharing this with you? Um, and finally I realized he just wants to be with me and um, it became like my favorite time of my day was this like 2 a.m. wake up call from the Lord and um, I realized something I was I was in a new job here. I was uh, studying in seminary. I was doing a lot of things, um, a lot of things that I was spending a lot of energy and time um, building my intellect of theology and doctrine, um, and I was replacing it very quickly. Um, well, I, I was I was doing this, and I was not experiencing the intimacy that is on offer with the Lord, and. Um, Finally, I said, okay, I'll accept your invitation. And what it meant was that it was going to have to be a reshaping of my time, a reshaping of my days. Uh, And I started to realize that there was a need and that there was a value in saying, Lord, I need you and I need to be with you and I want to be with you. And um, so here's, here's what my days have become to look like. Um, I wake up before the family wakes up, and each morning it's, it's just when I get up. Sometimes it's a run. Sometimes it's literally just walking around like a zombie making coffee. Um, but I, but I, I, I like starting my day with just a verse or a thought that I repeat in my mind about the Lord. And then after that, I, we get the kids out the house, and, and, we, and the girls go to school about 25 minutes away. Um, it's normally like seven minutes away, but with traffic, it's 25 minutes away. And so... I drop them off, and then I have 25 minutes in the car, and I just put on um, Scripture, and I just let it play over me for about a half an hour. And, um, and then after that, I get home, and I get changed real quick, and then I've been walking into work. It takes me 25 minutes to walk here. It's more of a stroll. I'm not that slow of a walker, but it's more of a stroll, and I've been walking into work, and I have just been being with the Lord. And we get to work, and then we, as a staff, the very first thing we do is we spend 30 to 40 minutes, sometimes upwards of an hour, going through scripture and devotional and praying together. 
Uh, and then, not every lunchtime, but at most lunchtimes, I take the hour to walk this neighborhood or to walk this campus and to just pray with the Lord and pray over this city and pray over this church and, and listen for what he is calling me into. And then I walk home, and that's another 25 minutes with him. And then I spend uh, much of my evening, not every evening, but as I'm laying in bed, um, reading uh, books that are about him and, and concepts and letting that bathe over me. And so on an average day, um, I've, I've chosen to give myself upwards of almost four hours a day for, to be with the Lord. And I share this with you because it is radically changing my life. And I, I, I did it at the start because I probably thought it was the right thing to do. And I, I now can't stop doing it. I crave it like I crave water. Like it is changing the very core of my being to be with him. And I, I, I don't, don't know what else to say other than um, it's real and it's powerful. And um, I am falling in love with my Savior and the one who purchased me in ways I never expected I would. And so um, that is the premise for this series is that I am feeling it shaping me personally. I don't have it figured out. Okay, just in case you're wondering, I don't have it figured out. Um, but it's my hope in this series that we, um, we would stumble into this invitation of the Lord, of his longing to be with us, and that we would get to um, come under his ways. I, I'm going to tell you a story, because I think this story does a really good job of depicting what I'm hoping happens in this series. Uh, a friend of mine, his name's Mike Shapiro, many of you know him. Twelve years ago, uh, he invited me on a bicycle trip. And we were going to ride from the top of the coast of California all the way down to Mexico. And it was, it was going to consist of, we didn't really have it fully planned out, um, but it was going to consist of about 8 to 15 days, we didn't know how long, of about 80 miles a day of riding our bicycles. And we were going to carry all of our food and camping gear on our bicycles, so panniers is what they're called, or saddlebags. Um, and we were going to ride. And he invited me to go do it with him, and I said yes. And so the first part of it was he wanted to teach me. He had done this many times uh, on his own and with his family and with another friend. And so he wanted to teach me about what, what the trip would look like. And so I went over to his home uh, and he taught me. He, he taught me all about what kind of maps we were going to use and what kind of camping gear we needed. He even taught me how to make a stove um, out of two uh, cat food cans and ceiling insulation that you would pour fuel on, and the ceiling insulation would work as a wick, and you could cook your food over it. And so he taught me all these things, and I'm, I'm like taking notes, I'm writing it all down, I'm going to REI, and back, buying all this camping gear. And then finally he says, Caleb, before we go on the trip, I, I need you to actually like try it out. So we did, a, we did a practice run, and we rode from here all the way out to Bartlett Lake, past Cave Creek, and we camped the night at Bartlett Lake, and then we rode back. And so he kind of taught me how, how to do it and what, what it was going to be like. And um, we get on the, the bike trail on the coast. We meet up nor, like near San Francisco, and uh, we start riding. And at this time, I had just graduated from college as a collegiate long-distance runner, and I'm fit and I'm strong, 
and I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to prove 80 miles a day is nothing. And, uh, and, it, and it truly, it wasn't much for me. I wanted to push the pace. I wanted to grind it out, and I did. And the first day, it was a wet one. It was a cold one. I was a little intimidated, uh, and so I kind of let Mike lead the way. But the next two days, I rode at a pace that was insane. And Mike would say, meet me at the next town and wait for me there. And I would ride, and I was like, like on it. And I'm just like focusing on the white line, and that's it. And like beautiful, most beautiful country in the world is passing me by. And I'm like riding, sweating. I get there, I'm like a sticky, hot mess. And Mike would show up into these towns like, like the wind had just like gone through. It's not a sweat on his body, and he was smiling. And I'm like burning it up. I'm sore. I'm heavy. And I'm like, what is going on? Am I missing something? Like, aren't we trying to get it done? And he just kind of let me be. And um, one day we run into this guy. Uh, he's from Germany, and he's trying to ride all, all through America. And he's going the opposite direction we are. And he, he's talking to us at this campground. He says, this is unbelievable. I've been riding into the wind for three straight days. He's like, I don't know what to do. And Mike goes, yeah, that's why I picked us going the opposite direction. The prevailing winds go that way. And anyways, and so I'm like, don't think much of it. And later that night, we're sitting around the campfire. And he goes, Caleb, Mike says this to me. He goes, Caleb, there are some people that ride their entire lives into the wind. And there are some people that let the wind push them. I'm like, okay, buddy, whatever. Um, and so we, we begin riding. And, and he would stop all the time. He drove me nuts. He would stop and pick strawberries and artichokes and sweet peas that he would find along the side of the road. And I'm like, enough with the stopping. Like, we could get this trip done in three days if you wouldn't be so lazy with it. And... The turning point that I began starting to uh, feel something different, we're in Big Sur, and Big Sur is really hilly, if you know Big Sur, and I get to the top of the big mountain way before Mike does, and I'm just burning it, and I get up there, and he finally shows up, I'm not kidding, maybe an hour later, and he's chewing on um, gummy worms, and we get to the top, and he offers me a gummy worm, and he says, hey, these gummy worms really complement the salt air. You should try them. <laughs> and he looks as though like he had just been sitting watching a movie for two hours. Like we just climbed the steepest hills. I can't even see straight. I've gone through all of my water and he's just chewing on gummy worms. And I'm like, there's something wrong with this man. That night we got into this inland uh, kind of empire area and we couldn't find a place to stay. We slept in a wash, uh, kind of a sand wash where water would run through, but there was no water at this time. And we went to sleep that night. And I get woken up at midnight to the sound of a mountain lion in our camp, uh, really angry with us. And he is roaring, and it sounds like he's almost barking at us. And I'm, I'm literally hyperventilating, like terrible. I'm sure we're dead. And I don't know what to do. Finally, the mountain lion removes itself from the campsite a little bit, but he's still barking at us. And I'm so scared. I get out of bed, and I, I get out of my sleeping bag and out of my little tent shelter thing, and I go over to Mike Shapiro, and I shake him awake. He's just sleeping so hard. And I shake him awake, and I'm like, there's a mountain lion. He goes, what? 
I said, there's a mountain lion in our camp. What do you want to do? He goes, what? He goes, hold on. Let me take out my earplugs. He takes out his earplugs. And I, I say, Mike, there's a mountain lion in our camp. And I don't know what to do. I'm terrified. I'm like literally crying. And he goes, do you want some earplugs? <laughs> and I said, like, do you even know what a mountain lion is, Mike? And so he hands me his earplugs as he's putting his, his back in. And he goes right back to sleep. And I'm thinking, this man is not well. So I get back in my sleeping bag and I put the earplugs in and I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Like now there's no sound and I know there's a mountain lion. Like this is not okay. So I take them out. I hear the mountain lion. I'm like, no, no, that's not good either. So I put them back in and I finally fall asleep. And we wake up the next morning and there's paw prints all over our campsite. Uh, We lived and um, I began to come under his way. For the rest of the trip, the next stretch, we pulled into um, the Redwood Forest and we were riding. We got right into the Redwood Forest. And the very first thing we do, Mike takes this turn off this dirt road over this little uh, grassy knoll. And we ride our bikes down to the edge of this creek. And in the creek, there's these Adirondack chairs. And he goes, take your shoes off. We're just going to sit in this creek and let the, the water like heal our feet. And he pulls a nice bottle of wine and dark chocolate and fancy cheese out of his bag. And I'm like, where did you get this? And, and, uh, and we sat there for three hours and rested and took it in that night. We, it took us three hours to cook the artichoke that we had found along the way, sitting around a campfire. And I was all in, I was like, I can do this, but it took me so long to accept his invitation of the way of going about it. And the rest of the trip was beautiful. Uh, The strawberry fields were great. Um, Just don't eat too many of them. It gives you a bellyache. So what's the secret? Um, I I don't really know. Um, I hope we discover it together a bit. I don't think it's a secret. I think it's just him saying, come with me, walk with me, walk in step with me. We're going to have a theme verse. I want to put it up on the board. This is the only uh, slide I wanted us to have today. So as we go through this, our theme verse, uh, Club 5-6 is doing this right now. The high schoolers and junior hires are doing this right now. Our kiddos are doing this right now. So uh, this could be a cool thing as a family just to memorize this together. If you have kiddos, you know this verse, but, but really read it. Like You don't have to read it out loud. I'm going to read it, but really meditate on what it's saying. This is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You guys know what that yoke is, right? It's, it's that, like when you see... Uh, those those cattle that, that uh, do the crops, they have that, that kind of wooden yoke. He's just saying, look, let's lock in on the same yoke and walk with me. Walk in step with me. And, and, and you're going to feel it a little bit different. Uh, my Eugene Peterson, he writes the message. It's a, it's a paraphrase of the Bible. The very favorite verse that he paraphrases uh, is this verse for me. And I want to read it in, in his version. He says, are you tired? 
Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, this is the best part, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Can I pray for us? amazing, Lord, that the work of the cross was so that you could say, I just want to be with you, and I've made a way for that to happen. Will you be with me? I've paid for your freedom. Will you just come be with me? And Lord, I I don't understand it. Like, Like, you're the God of the universe, and you just long for us to walk in step with you. Will you teach us what those unforced rhythms of grace are? Will you show us how to step into your rhythm of life, your pace of life? Lord, we know that you have something mighty for us. We know that you have given us yourself, and we know that there is power to be found in your name. We devote our lives to you, Lord. We give you our lives. We trust you, and we ask for your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen.